Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey everybody, this is the Georgia Show. The dogs are 2-0 and and they're staying hot with the new commitment from Chris Cole. We'll break that down and try to figure out who exactly this Georgia team is as they open up SEC play this week against the Gamecocks. It's all coming up right now on the Georgia Show. Better never rest. A is in the sky. What a thrilling time to be alive. It's time once again for a Sunday night edition of the Georgia Show. I'm Wes Blankenship, Jake Rowe, Jeremy Johnson, Rusty Menzel, all on as we start off with the biggest news of the day, Chris Cole. Keeps things hot on the recruiting trail for the Dogs, that four-star linebacker. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but let's break down the Dogs' latest commitment in this class. Jeremy, uh, I'll let you go first, man. Uh, Yeah, he's a really good linebacker. He's another one of these athletic guys that I believe he plays safety a little bit in the first couple years, so he's got a lot of speed, uh, big, big, long, rangy guy. The first time I saw him, I thought he was a receiver or a tight end or something. And somebody said, Hey, that's a linebacker. So, you know, he's, he's one of these guys that, you know, his best football, you know, could be in two or three years. Uh, I think he's it's a big get for Georgia. So that's a, you know, good opportunity, you know, to continue to add some depth there. I know they got three guys last year. So he's, he's definitely a guy that, uh, <laughs> that'll look a lot like, you know, Quay Walker and, you know, the Channing Tindles of the world. 
got to have those three down backers now. You know, you can't get caught in a substitution issue uh, where somebody can't cover in space because you'll get eight up. And this is a guy that can play three downs for you. Uh, as Jeremy said, very athletic. I think he's one of the fastest 55-meter uh, hurdlers in America. So that tells you uh, when you can pick your hips up and put them down that quick, you're, you're, you're athletic uh, to be able to run and do those hurdles. Is uh, It's a really key indicator. You, you don't see that much anymore, especially at a linebacker running the hurdles. So you look at him and you think this is a guy that can play. You got If you're going to play linebacker for Glenn Schumann, I think we all – we don't even have to look at tape anymore. We know you can run because that's a, you just have to be able to run. You can't be labeled as a thumper anymore. Cause if you're labeled as a thumper, you know, that's Georgia's not the place for you. Um, you know, you gotta have physicality, but you've got to be able to cover and these teams spread you out so much. And, you know, I go back, we all kind of think about a player too, but I think about Florida a couple of years ago when they spread Nicobe Dean out one-on-one and thought they had a mismatch, and they throw a ball there, and he picks six uh, to the end zone. So te- teams are going to spread you out. Uh, they can put you in one-on-one situations. They can ISO you. So uh, I think this is another guy that fits a mold. And, you know, kudos to Georgia holding off USC at the end. And also, you know, a Tennessee visit again, uh, back-to-back Tennessee visits, but in the end picks Georgia tonight. You look when you look at his uh, junior film too. One thing that stood out to me first, first uh, over anything, was he's lining up out there over the slot. You know they they're putting him out there like way out there in space. He's picking passes off. That that matchup stuff's unreal, man. The just the ability to, uh, you know, run with a tight end or run with a running back. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. You know, it wouldn't shock me to see him do some of the stuff that they had. Leonard Floyd, Lorenzo Carter, Walter Grant, uh, Darius Smith do, and that's, you know, kind of play that hybrid Sam linebacker star position, some of these heavy, uh, some of these heavy fronts. When, you know, you're seeing more 12 personnel now, right? You're seeing some teams kind of gravitate towards maybe going with two tight ends, even if they're athletic tight ends. Well, if you want to match up with a team like that and do some run game stuff, then Chris Coles is a weapon for you. Yeah, we got his uh, huddle film up here right now and you know you don't want to be known as just a thumper but <laughs> he can do that for sure that speed is uh is pretty intense uh appreciate y'all tuning in tonight and want to invite you to hit like and subscribe if you haven't done so already it'll give you access to comment and ask us some questions about chris about the team as the show goes on uh it's been a great summer and great fall of getting started with this coverage of the two-time defending national champs but Come on in, hit like and subscribe and uh, and mix it up with us. We'll see what we got. Um, I love watching this dude's tape. And like I said, starting the show, it's been a while since we've gotten to break some of this stuff down. So we've we've been consumed with the team, rightfully so. But it's a nice breath of fresh air to remind everybody out there that Georgia's still, and Glenn Schumann's still getting it done on the trail with all these top-notch linebackers. Yeah, I mean, I think – we all would agree, especially uh, Jeremy and I, about um, you know how well Glenn Schumann, you know, obviously the Philadelphia Eagles came after him, and recruiting didn't mean a damn thing to them, you know. But uh, uh, X and O's was a was a key part of why the Philadelphia Eagles um, came after pretty aggressively to sign uh, Glenn Schumann and get him away from Georgia. He stays, but I don't think people kind of continue to grasp how much of an alpha recruiter he is, and. He doesn't miss much, and 
you know, at times when he does miss, it's because of the clash in front of him. He did so well. Uh, people don't want to follow that up. So I think it says a lot about these these particular guys he has in this class, uh, Justin Williams, Chris Jones, and now Chris Cole, to follow, you know, uh, Troy Bowles, C.J. Allen, and Raylan Wilson. So he signed six. He's going to sign six in two classes. And I think it says a lot about Georgia. He's already in on Zayden Walker, who I think is going to play inside linebacker, who is one of the most um, – I don't know how much tape you watch if you're uh, joining us, but go watch Zayden Walker's clips. And you want to talk about – I don't like to throw the around word freak around, but I don't know how else to describe that guy. He's already number one linebacker in the state of Georgia for next year. So they're on him hard as well. You got kind of like Georgia chances early on right there. So Glenn Schumann not only – is an X and O guy. He's an alpha recruiter, and I think that's why he's making um, in the neighborhood of $2 million a year. Yeah, one of the cool things that I've noticed, too, is that these guys, when they talk about him, you know, they talk about him having a good relationship and all that, and that's important. You know, I think it's just cool to see the types of guys that they're attracting as people, you know, just <clears throat> Justin Williams and, you know, Chris Jones, and even this kid, Chris Cole, is kind of, you know, they're all about, you know, I want somebody that's going to push me. I want someone that's going to make me better as a football player because they have the vision that, hey, we're not complete players yet and we have an opportunity to go to Georgia. And, you know, this guy is, you know, we'll sprinkle in and play a little bit. But, you know, over the three, four years, you know, you become a better football player. And I think that's something that, you know, when you talk about a guy being coveted by the next level, that's that's something that translates. If you can develop talent and improve it over a certain period of time, that that translates. You know, obviously you don't have to recruit and, you know. who. Yeah. And, and one thing, too, Jeremy, touching on there, a great point for the next level. Channing Tindall didn't start at Georgia. He was a third rounder. Play Walker started one year and he was a first rounder. So I think there's a lot to say, hey, you now just come here and let me coach you up and get you ready for that next level. And here are the players. I mean, Tay Crowder's still playing, you know, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So I think that, uh, I think that, um, you know, that's, that's the value. And Jeremy, I think you hit it right on the head and uh, it takes a certain fit. And I think Glenn Schumann in particular in his room has done a great job of, um, you know, finding guys that fit his culture, his room, and it takes a certain type of player to walk in there because if you were to take a picture right now of that room and those guys right now, if Lynn Schumann got everybody together and took a picture and we go back and look at it four years from now, Jake and Wes, I think you would agree. There's a lot of dudes just going to play Sunday in that room. So it takes a special dude to walk in there and say, you know what? Not only do I want to come to Georgia, I want to come in there knowing that I may not be playing right now, but I'm playing the long game. And the long game is Glenn Schumann has a track record. Glenn Schumann has proven results. And Glenn Schumann doesn't have to BS people. He just has to say, hey, here it is, and here's what my guys are doing. Yeah. Bro, you're on uh, you're on mute. Yeah, all right. Fat Ball's got it's the internet never, again. It's never sounded better, as they told me on TV the other night. The channel was <laughs> That's right. I got a voice for – I got a voice for miming. Um, hey uh, – Y'all talked about the three guys they got in last year's class. And and obviously those – I mean, all three absolute dudes. You know, C.J. Allen's already playing. Raylan Wilson would would have been if he wasn't – you know, hadn't gotten hurt already. Um, but with those three, with that as the backdrop, 
not only has he got these three guys committed in this class, but he had Georgia in the thick of it for Sammy Brown, Demarcus Riddick, and Joseph Phillips. Um, and then when the when the in-state kid in your backyard and the two from the state next to you didn't get didn't decide they wanted to be at Georgia, they decided you know hey we're going to do something else. He just went and got the number one from Texas and the number five from Virginia, and I believe the number seven linebacker in the country from Virginia. Um, so it's just, it, it's just wild. It is absolutely wild the way he can do it. And, uh, um, it's, uh, it's just rare. You just don't see guys that recruit it like that. You got to love it. You got to love what you do to, to recruit at that kind of level. And, and Glenn Schumann does. So, uh, to your point about getting guys that come in knowing that they may not play right away. When you talk about the backdrop of the transfer portal era that everybody's in, look, we got a small sample size, We've seen Colorado make it work thus far this season. Ole Miss looked pretty good uh, playing at Tulane, but that score, you know, maybe a little bit closer than the final score looked like. But I, I think it's kind of an insurance policy for Georgia to bring guys in that come in believing and knowing, hey, this is a long game for me. And that gives Georgia, in an ideal world, a little bit better picture of what they're working with roster management-wise and not trying to piece together an entire roster based off of guys that go to the portal. They've got an idea. All right, this is what we're, this is what we're going to battle with here. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that's why you see them be so aggressive, you know, going after three guys that both that all three can play inside the linebacker. You know, you never know what happens. I know Tresman Marshall ends up in Alabama after being at Georgia for what, three years and playing sparingly. And he's a, a starter for Alabama. So, you know, Raylan Wilson, Troy Bowles, CJ Allen, all will see the field. Devin, I mean, Justin Williams and Chris, Chris Jones and, and Chris Cole, you know, they're likely to all eventually play at some point, but you know, what happens if one of those guys passes one of those guys and, you know, you have a situation like where Tresman goes to Alabama and, you know, Georgia hadn't really, you know, needed many guys to fill that spot because they got three guys they play regularly, and then you got C.J. Allen now sprinkling in there. So that that's what they like to do is have all this depth. And, you know, like you said, that's definitely a, a, a point of power for them to be able to have a bunch of depth all, all throughout their roster. It's not just the linebacker, of course, defensive line, wide receiver, running back, even quarterback to an extent. Before we uh, wrap up with the recruiting notes on this show, Neighbor in the comments wants to know, and uh, he asks Rusty, but uh, Jeremy, feel free to weigh in. Ro, if you got any intel here, is Georgia going to flip Cam Davis from Florida State? No, Georgia's full at running back uh, for this class, and I know they recruited Cam Davis a little while early on, but um, you know he's set on he's set on Florida State, and he took a couple of visits to Georgia, but you know Georgia with their guys um, with Nate Frazier and Dwight Phillips and uh, Chauncey from down in Florida. They are done. And by the way, I saw a neighbor ask how to flip to our site. So that's a, that might be the best post of the night. So we'd love to have you and get in while you can, man, and enjoy it. Dogshq.com. That's where you can find all of Jeremy's intel from the past few days and uh, all of the questions. What's up, Rusty? Can I ask Jeremy one question before he steps out? Uh, Jeremy, you went down to uh, Colquitt, Moultrie, Georgia the other night and uh, got a chance to see. Nye Carr, wide receiver in person. Uh, what were your thoughts? And is he is he a game changer? Is he a uh, is he a alpha receiver? Is he a Miko Hardman type? Where, where's the comparison you think in person you saw out of him? 
you know, I, I when you walk out there and look at him, you don't think, oh, my God, this guy is going to take the top off of a defense. But, I mean, just watching him play, he's just so smooth. He's explosive, changes directions. Like, he's really smooth when he changes directions. And he's not afraid to go up and get the football either. A guy 5'10", right at six foot-ish, you know, isn't afraid to attack the football. So, I don't, I don't know if Georgia's had a guy like that, like this recently, that isn't necessarily a big body receiver. I mean, I'm almost inclined to, to compare him to A.D. AD Mitchell a little bit. I believe he can play outside, and I think he can play inside, and he's a guy that you can run on jet sweeps and throw, you know, little bubbles to, and he can go 80 yards because, you know, he, he has that kind of speed. And one thing I really like about him is that he's tough. He's a tough guy to be, you oh, know, yeah. 170, 175 pounds. I mean, he ain't scared yeah. of nobody. So he's definitely one of these guys that, you know, you're going to look up in three or four years that has done a lot of really good things in Athens just because of his the way he approaches stuff. I tell you, I, I don't want to I'm, – I'm not trying to extend this out a little bit, but the guy that keeps coming to mind for me, and I think he's a tad bit smaller, but he's a lot faster, is Terry Godwin. Um, because of the Because of that kind of – Terry was never a big receiver, but he'd go get it in the air. And he had big hands and he had great hands and he would do things like that. Like he played a little bigger than he was. Terry played like a big receiver at yeah. times. And and I think that's one of the things but but I think Nye, I think Nicar is, you know, you're talking about a similar quickness, but but you know, Terry didn't have an extra gear. Even though he ran a four or five something at the combine, you know, I mean it wasn't slow by any means. I, I do think that that Nye may be a little just a tad bit faster maybe has that extra gear, but just in terms of like the crazy catches, the one-handed stuff, the, like you said, the way he attacks the football as a smaller receiver, that's kind of something he reminds me of. And before Jeremy gets off here too, another thing, um, I don't, don't let the cat out of the bag, but uh, you know, what you got coming tomorrow, because um, obviously there's, there's some Ooh. movement here with Georgia Ooh. and another five-star prospect, um, you know, uh, that, that we're talking about. You got some stuff coming tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. There is a big, there's a big confirmed five star coming to Athens this weekend for this game uh, against South Carolina. It will be it's a big, it's a big, it's a big guy, big, big time uh, target, and definitely, definitely think Georgia has an opportunity to either make up some ground or be really involved here throughout this this recruitment. I'll definitely touch on it a little bit more tomorrow. All right, that's what we like to call a tease. Jeremy Johnson, where can people find you, man? Uh, Twitter, Jeremy underscore Johnson. Oh, uh, actually, I don't have it memorized. Jeremy <laughs> uh, underscore O Johnson on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. So you can nobody knows check me out here on Dogs HQ <laughs> all the time. Yeah. All right, man. We'll appreciate you stopping by. We'll uh, catch more of you over at dogshq.com. Peace. All right. Thank you all for having me. Appreciate it, Jeremy. All right. Uh, great stuff from Jeremy there. All over the place, he uh, made it to Bucky's. I should have asked him about that. I think it was his Ooh. first visit, and we know that can be a spiritual experience. Speaking of spiritual experiences, watching Georgia football improve from week one to week two, a little bit of groaning in the first quarter. Rusty, I see your uh, name tonight is it is Mike Bobo's fault. Uh, a <laughs> little tongue-in-cheek, but I think two games in, we kind of have an idea of what this Georgia team is made out of, but you really won't know until South Carolina. But what we do know so far is uh, Carson Beck's getting better. I don't know if he's making everybody feel happy about him because uh, everyone's going to be very critical of the new quarterback replacing Stetson Bennett. But we do know this defense is pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, 
I'll start with the good stuff. The defense is uh, they're 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 uh, they're fast. They're big. They're what we thought they were. I, I just kind of made a note on the board uh, Friday or Saturday morning, I believe, that that they're different with Small Munden on the field because he adds so much speed there in the middle. Uh, he can play sideline to sideline. He can blitz the passer. All those things you kind of love out of Smile and. They're just different with him. I thought Warren Brinson played really good. I thought Warren Brinson played one of his best games, Christian Miller, until he got hurt a little bit. I'll have to ask Jake Rowe about that. But, uh, you know, Christian, Christian had a, a, a really good uh, you know, couple of plays there. So you see some things out of that young defensive line that you like. You've got some new names there, some guys that's got to step up at some point. And, um, you know, you look at the offense, and I think they did start slow. And, and that, that first drive, they go right down the field and unable to – unable to punch that in and they miss a chip shot field goal and you're just thinking oh man here we go but real strong second half uh i'll, I'll get more into the offense but i want to hear jake's comments but i've certainly got a few more uh comments as we get into the other side of my thoughts on this team right now well i mean uh, you know there's a lot of hand wringing and obviously the two be- the three biggest topics of conversation are mike bobo carson beck and the run game all right and all I can do is just kind of know – all I can do is kind of just make a comparison to Georgia as the championship program that it is, that it is right? Um, they're back-to-back champions this year. They were champions last year. Well, what do we see out of last year's team? And, and I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to be different when they're challenged, okay? So, you know, let's just go ahead and put that in there. But for the, those that are worried, um, you know, I've made this point several times, but we saw how Georgia played against Kent State, against Samford last year, even against Missouri. Um, so I think what you kind of have to look at here is, you know, all right, let's start with Mike Bobo. Um, I, I've, I've gone back and I've looked at the passing charts from the past two seasons from the first couple of games, and they are so comparable in terms of where the passes are being made. A lot of at and behind the line of scrimmage stuff, a lot of under 10 yard stuff, get it to you guys and let them move taking your shots, you know, down the field. Um, you know, thus far, Carson Beck has been better. And listen, he hasn't played Oregon, but, you know, th- but he's better through two games from 10 yards and beyond than Stetson Bennett was last year. He is he, he is more efficient. He is more successful. He's thrown for uh, – he hasn't thrown for more yards. Well, yes, actually he has. He has thrown for more yards, 10 yards and beyond. Now, has he missed some stuff? Absolutely. But but you keep going back to this whole idea that, that you know – a lot of folks want to just throw this, hey, he's been, he's in his fourth year at Georgia, Carson Beck is. Well, I mean, 2020 wasn't much of a year, guys. There was a basically no camp. He had no spring practice, and he barely he got in to snap and kneel on it maybe once or twice. Uh, 2021, he ends up being the third quarterback, right? So, you know, uh, probably, had, probably got a lot of scout team reps that year, if we're being honest, him and Brock Vandegrift both. Um, you know, so, yeah, he he's a little older, but – you know, starting games and having teams game plan against you and having teams put stuff in to say, hey, maybe we can confuse him. Maybe we can take what he did this last game really well and we can, you know, go against that. That That's going to take some time. And then, you know, obviously the run game, again, going back to last year, I looked back at my notes after the Sanford game, after even after the South Carolina game and after the Kent State game. And it was t- – and Missouri game as well, especially for three quarters – a lot of concern about the run game. Like, where is it at? You're not doing this. It's a combination of things, guys. The offensive line's not blocking real well. The perimeter blocking's not great. None of it's consistent. None of it's, you know, awesome. But then again, you look at the tailbacks. Are they getting what's there? 
Are they turning – you know, there are some times where Georgia's turning five, six yards into two or three yards because they're still coming together in the left side of that offensive line, I think, cannot be, cannot be over, under, overstated enough that Ernest Green is playing his first, you know, first ball of his career, and he played pretty poorly yesterday. Um, you know, he missed a, you know, got Carson Beck lit up on a, on a touchdown pass um, in the red zone and, and you know, had, was responsible for, a, you know, a couple of other pressures and a couple of other blown assignments in the run game. So I tell you what I do know about Georgia football, Rusty, is that um, you and I talked about it on the phone yesterday. Kirby Smart was fit to be tied for that noon kickoff yesterday. He, he was in rare form and – that's why Georgia is where Georgia is, and that's why Kirby Smart is considered one of the best coaches in the country is because he's crossing every T and he's dotting every I. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's bootlicking or, or wild to suggest that Georgia's going to get better as this season goes along. The, the entire program is founded upon improvement and development. And – I, I think you're in good hands, and I think Georgia's going to grow because these coaches know how to coach, and these players are talented. Yeah, I'm concerned, man. I'm concerned about the running game. And um, you got leading rusher with Roddy Robinson, six carries for 38 yards. You had 99 total rushing yards against um, Ball State. And I'm not so concerned. I do think what you're touching on, Jake, I do think you're 100% right. I think the offensive line is going to get better. I think they played a little bit better there at times against Ball State. Not really worried about that group. What I'm worried about is do they have difference makers at running back right now? And I'll be honest with you, I don't see it. And let me give you an example of what I think without talking to anybody in that building about it. Georgia's running quick game. I mean, they are running quick game as fast as they can get. They're getting the ball out of Beck's hands into space, and they're basically using those bubbles for a handoff, and they're just trying to get the ball out to those guys in space. And, you know, it takes so long for plays to develop. It takes so long for me to see the guys getting through the hole. I, I think the reaction from me, from both of y'all and everyone else, when you saw Dylan Bell, I'm not saying Dylan Bell is the answer at running back, but what I'm telling you is when you watch that play, you see how fast he was in the hole. A guy was one-on-one -on -one with him. He makes a move on him. He takes to the house. And that's not going to happen every play. That's not going to happen. But what you see is the burst. And right now, I just don't see it. I see guys that are kind of hard to tackle. Roger Robinson, to me right now, might be your best now – Listen, we haven't seen De uh, Dejan Edwards yet, and we all know that he's a different kind of dude. He's got a little juice to him as well. So you welcome him back. We felt like Branson Robinson was the number one running back. I thought he was, and he's gone for the year. But when I see Georgia going to quick game, I can tell you right now, that's a lot of what they ran at Colorado State with Mike Bobo because they didn't have much of a running game. And you're doing what you have with your personnel. And – you know, that that the running backs have got to that that's that room has got to get better and in a hurry. And uh, if Georgia's got bigger goals down the line, that's the one thing I can tell you, in my opinion, is not calling, it's not play calling, is not scheme. It's sometimes there's one unblocked person and you're counting on that back to make that person miss. And they're not making people miss many tackles right now. And 
Uh, I just, you know, kind of, you know, I'm sure that Kirby Smart and those guys know that, and they're going to challenge those backs, and they're all highly recruited players now. This this isn't like Georgia just went out on a limb with these guys. Uh, these are highly recruited players they've got. So, uh, Jake, I think you hit it right on the head. These are great coaches. And you know what? You get paid a lot of money. So your best players right now are on the outside, on the edge, and you got to find a way to make those guys win games. And, oh, by the way, Lab McConkie still hasn't played. I don't know, you know, Jake, you and I both hear things every day with that deal. And uh, for whatever reason, he hasn't played yet. So that kind of is a little bit worrisome. But when Lab McConkie gets back in this lineup, he is a guy that can stress you as a defense too because he's so quick and he's so fast in short area. Uh, I, I can't wait to see him in this offense because Mike Bobo is going to give Lad McConkey a ton of touches, and he's going to get a lot of those. And listen, Makai Muse, uh, I mean, you got to find packages for him because he's making things. He, to my example, when we talk about explosive and making people miss, watch how many people miss tackles or he runs by them. And that's the thing right now, Georgia, I think, is lacking in a running back room. Uh, you know, I know everybody wants to jump to Dylan Bell. Let's throw him back there. I think that Dylan Bell run showed you what we're used to at Georgia. And right now, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we said coming into the season. Is there going to be a stable of guys that are confident with what they're doing, whether it's because of experience, because of their health? And right now, I mean, who's to say that's not lending itself to this uh, situation at the running back position? Um, once again, though, Makai Muse proving that Georgia is walk on you. I mean, wow. sub six foot players are the cornerstone of Georgia's football dynasty right now. That guy is, is a maniac. Ro, uh, what were you about he's, to say? He's sub five and a half feet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Makai Muse might be five five, man. Um, one thing I do want to point out, too, is, you know, you, Rusty, you brought it up, Dejan Edwards returning. Um, I don't care who you I don't I don't care who was going to be available even if Branson Robinson was available who I think was Georgia's most talented back um even Kenny McIntosh um if you go back to last year there's nobody on Georgia's roster better at at uh, you know being productive in the ground game than that he rarely gets tackled for a loss he's always kind of finding the crease and I feel like he's the guy that you know when when the offensive line has it blocked for two or three he picks up five or six, and when they've sure. got it blocked for you know got it blocked for six or seven, he's the guy that can get you twelve to fifteen. Now is he going to go just running by everybody in the secondary? Now nah, he you talk about not having that extra gear. You know he's probably a a four seven four eight guy, but you know we know Elijah Holyfield was that and saw him run for a thousand yards. One of the things that that Rusty that that I do have to say about the run game though is if you'd have told me back in shoot if you'd have told me back in March. Hey, you know, to start the season, Georgia's going to have probably it's it's not going to have any of its best three tailbacks healthy, hundred percent, and then two of them aren't going to play at all for the first two games. I'd have probably told you the run game was probably going to look a little shoddy, um, but um, you know, losing Branson Robinson sucks. And you made the point on that very on the day it happened, and then it kind of was a light bulb moment for me too. You just lost your most talented running back for the year. And that's just 100%. that's just gonna suck. And now you got to figure it out. You got to put Brock Bowers back there and throw him a screen, um, which which was set up for a big play had Brock Bowers not done what he never does and drop passes. Yep. Um, you know, so you got Dylan Bell back there. You may see Makai Muse line up back there at some point. 
Um, you know, Andrew Paul at some point, Rusty, we heard the mm -hmm. same things on him. Um, that's, I don't the one know. I, that's the one I'm interested in, Andrew yeah, Paul. Yeah, me too. He looks to me like he's got a little bit more juice. And I think back today, I'm thinking, okay, why would you not play him as much? And the only thing, Jake, you know more X and O's than me, you know you got to be able to protect a quarterback. And if you're not yeah. available, he can't pick up that part yet. It takes a little more time to get in there. People, people don't realize right. this is a, this is really his first fall on the field. So, and he's also a new offense with Mike Bobo. And one thing I can tell you: if you can't pass pro, you're not playing right now because uh, you got to protect the quarterback. Some of those things. So maybe, and I'm just that's just a hunch, maybe. But I'm interested in seeing Andrew Paul because I think he's got a little bit more juice to him uh, just seeing him with the ball. Well, I think Kirby said in fall camp, right, or, or even when he got hurt, maybe it was in the spring, I can't remember, that with his injury, you know, you're still looking at him partially recovering. So maybe he's on some sort of pitch count as well. Could be. Um, but I guess the good news there is everything we just said, with Dejan coming back, guys getting healthier, you're kind of on this boat ramp down into the water. Each week gets a little bit easier, and maybe the running backs put it together and start to be a little bit more – uh, violent out there as and the season being, goes on. What have we heard on uh, Javon Bullard and Kristen that's Miller? Real, that's being real picky. Let me finish that yeah. subject. That's being real picky on Georgia. Uh, but I know the standards here, and I know what they've had at running back and those type of things. Uh, a lot of people on the board, a lot of people in the comments saying Dylan Bell. I can assure you uh, they're going to have some packages for Dylan Bell. They're, he's just different back there. He's 200 pounds, 205 pounds. So, yes, I don't think that was a one and done by any means but they're not going to sit here back there and have him run the ball 25 times. That's not going to happen either. But Dylan Bell makes you better if he touches it five to six to seven times in the backfield. Uh, I can only imagine they showed that play. And you don't think South Carolina's putting in extra work for Dylan Bell this week? It causes you extra stress to prepare for a team. Well, hey, let me, I want to point something out real quick because it just kind of hit me in the head when I was thinking about it. Uh, you know what Kenny McIntosh did in Georgia's first three ball games? Well, we can count the first four ball games last year. Um, if I'm doing the math correctly, Kenny McIntosh had a grand total. He finished the season with 825 rushing yards. But after four games last year, um, I'm looking at this right now, and I'm seeing 79, 97 yards rushing on uh, about 25, 26 carries. So, uh, you know, 25 carries. So 25 carries for 97 yards rushing in Georgia's first three games last year. You know, it took a little while for that thing to get – you know, you look at a couple of those games, Brock Bowers was the leading rusher in one of them because he broke off a 75-yard run. I think Georgia's going to figure it out. I, yeah. I do think I do they're going to figure it out. And I think Dejan Edwards is kind of like – you know, he's yeah. kind of a massive puzzle piece to this whole thing because, again – First and second down, being productive, that's something where Georgia's struggling right now. They're running the ball terribly on second down. Um, you know, they're missing but, Darnell Washington. Yeah, they're missing him too, for sure. The guy that's out there pancaking Joey Bosa or, or Nick Bosa today. So. There, there's not a Darnell Washington in the building. No. And there's not a six foot seven, 280-pound. Oh, by the way, that's a, that's an offensive tackle that's running routes. So Yeah. You're missing that dude, man. That's that's another that's something that's not talked about enough. We're we're gonna get to more of that in a moment. Uh Jake, do you have an update on Javon Bullard and or Kristen Miller? Um 
as far as what I've heard on Christian Miller, I, I think there's a good chance he's he's good to go. Um, I I'm not optimistic about Javon Bullard. Not this week. Um, he's got. I haven't heard anything about it being a high ankle sprain. Um, but you know, I think he sprained it pretty good. Um, you know, and and you know, it's a good thing that he was down there standing outside of the offensive or defensive huddle talking to Ron Corson. Um, you know, after it happened. Um, but he's going to have to respond extremely well to treatment before he's at, he's ready to come back to for South Carolina, and I think that's a little bit of a long shot. But as of right now, I think Kristen Miller's going to be okay. All right, uh, decent update there. We'll see on Bullard. If you have not gotten your tickets yet to South Carolina at Georgia, it's the SEC opener. What are you doing? Well, if you're uh, scrounging and looking around and you haven't had much luck, head on over to GameTime.co. We've partnered with them all season long to help y'all get a great discount when you sign up and get their app. So the deal is you go to gametime.co, use the checkout code DOGS, spelled the way that y'all know it's supposed to be spelled, D-A-W-G-S. You will get $20 off of your first ticket order. So just going around the stadium here, we got some down in the lower level, uh, around 200 bucks. That's yours for around 180 with the checkout code DOGS. Looking on the 50 Trying to splurge a little bit. You got a hot date, 273. That's about 250 with the checkout code DOGS. So try out gametime.co. You're going to want to download the GameTime app, create your account, use that code DOGS for $20 off your first purchase. The terms apply on each order. Create your account, redeem the code DOGS for $20 off. We're inviting y'all to download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so let's dive in and dig in a little bit deeper on this Georgia rushing attack. I know we just spent a lot of time on the personnel uh, in the backfield, but Kirby, look, he, he did kind of bristle a little bit when he was asked about Georgia's rushing attack during the game uh, in his post-game presser. And he, you know, he spent a few moments explaining that it's not just handing the ball off for Georgia's rushing attack. It is those bubble screens. It's the plays on the perimeter. It's the RPO. And they view that as rushing yards. And that's valid. I mean, he said that last year. It's true. It's the way you look at the ball game these days. Uh, but I do still hear fans' frustration about the physicality, the point of attack, whether it's blocking on the line of scrimmage or some of the whiffs on the perimeter. So where do y'all land on this? Is it, you know, totally siding with Kirby that this is just going to be Georgia's running game? Or do you, you know, do you look at this O-line? You do look at the guys on the perimeter and the absence of Darnell Washington as this kind of uh, coming together for a pretty not-so-tasty cake of ingredients that Georgia's working with, blocking specifically. I, I'll answer real quick, and I'll give Jake Rowe this thought because he's our X and O guy. And we can sit here and say we don't have Darnell Washington because they don't. And that's a big deal. And that's a unicorn. That is a absolute 100% unicorn in college football. Uh, you have to go back to probably Mercedes Lewis and God knows what year that was to even have somebody that big, that athletic, and that physical. He's gone. You don't have that. Now, Jake, you also know that um, basically you're – Second, maybe your third team tight end is out right now and lost and lucky. You're playing with two tight ends and you're playing Oscar Depp and Brock Bowers right now. And you're having to throw an extra lineman in there. I believe they threw Chad Lindbergh at number 85 on at one point yesterday, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. Just trying to get some extra bodies in there. 
you know, how much 12 personnel and how physical can you be? Because you cannot lose a tight end right now. I'm with Lawson Lucky out. Pierce Furlan is not an inline attacks type tight end right now. They, they're, they're dangerously thin at tight end. And I wonder, you know, if you start talking about 12 personnel and getting downhill and getting physical with those kids, how much is that affecting play calling? Because you can't lose one of those guys right now. Yeah, and it's tough too, Rusty, because, you know, you noticed it yesterday. They would go 13 – I'm not 13 personnel. They go uh, 11 personnel, and, you know, they would line up in a formation that you would see them line up in with the tight ends, where the tight ends are set back like wings and the split ends are on that line of scrimmage. But they would put Dominic Lovett in that slot position, or, or they would have um, another receiver in that slot position. Well, when you do that, they, that other team knows for a fact you are not going to press a run to that side. You know, you're, you're running away from that 100% if you, if you put that guy on the wing. So, so you're not only are you, are you kind of fooling with your personnel there, but you're also messing with your formations. There are some formations that you may like to run the ball out of that you can't even run because you don't have the right personnel. And I think, Rusty, that is a very underrated point right there with the, with the lack of 12 personnel. Not only do you not want to lose them, but you can't go out there running a bunch of 12 personnel with both of those tight ends on the field because one of them's got to be – because you want Brock Bowers to be on the field in 11 yeah. person. Yeah. You know, you want Brock Bowers to be on the field and brought in packages that are specifically designed for him too. So, you know, you, you're – really, when you get Oscar Delp on the field, you, you want it as often as you can to be spelling Brock Bowers and letting him get a rest because you don't want to – that's one of the reasons folks are talking about, well, he wasn't targeted a bunch. He, only, he played 34 snaps yesterday. And that's kind of low for him, and I think that's by design because they know the, uh, the the stretch run is coming. And I think getting Lawson Lucky back and back up to speed will help. Um, you know, I think you're probably looking at a couple, two or three weeks before he's back and back up to speed and ready to play. Um, but I, I think that's definitely, um, you know, a factor there. And I also just think you've just got to execute and block better. Like there was a play yesterday, I want to say it was a third down play, where they threw it out to Dominic Lovett. Um, in motion on a on a uh, little quick screen, and it wasn't that Arian Smith couldn't get the block. It's just Arian Smith didn't block the right guy. You know, he's you see the guy. They've got man coverage. He's following Dominic Lovett across the formation. That's exactly why you do those types of motions to identify who's on who. And Arian Smith kind of moves upfield to hold his defender to make sure his guy stays home, and then doesn't block. Doesn't get realize who he needs to block until way too late. It was a it was an eye discipline issue on offense, which you don't see a whole lot. You know, those are the things that Georgia, the kinks that Georgia has to get worked out, and there's a lot of them. You know, and that's listen. It's you're you're depending on some guys to do some things right now with Lad McConkey out, um, missing Marcus Rosemary Jackson in that first game. Even you know Dejon Edwards. You're relying on some guys to do some things that you may not. They may not quite be ready to do at the, at the highest level yet. But you've got to get them there. You can't give up on them and say, no, you know, Arian Smith's never going to block for us. So, you know, that's just it. They need to, they got to get him ready. They got to get him blocking. And I think they're doing a pretty good job of kind of forcing the issue of making sure these guys see it on tape and understand this is why you've got to get better at this. And uh, I think the staff's going to do a good job with that. Yeah, I, I believe that. I'm looking forward to this SEC opener. We don't really know what this team is truly capable of, and I want to see Carson Beck take that next step, and I, I think that he will. 
you know, these big games. As as you've pointed out, Jake, you go back and look at some of these duds last year where there just wasn't, I don't know, a little bit of motivation from start to finish. Uh, you know, it was different from the 2021 team. They dominated pretty much everybody. But they did have these step-up moments when they needed to. And when they needed to, boy, did they. They did it. So I expect to see that similar approach and similar mentality as Georgia opens up with South Carolina. It's going to be a fun atmosphere, 3.30 kick between the hedges. All right, uh, let's get to some dog stocks, wrap this thing up. I'll start us off. I'm going to say stock up on the apocalypse. Y'all talked about it earlier. Brock Bowers dropped the pass, man. I didn't think I'd ever see it. Uh, the end times are here. That was a pretty tough, tough moment for Brock Bowers. But uh, in all seriousness, he's going he's gonna to go off against the Gamecocks. I just I can't wait to watch it because he knows what to do against South Carolina. He had his way with them last year. And I still don't think if Georgia doesn't want you to have an answer for him, you're probably not going to have an answer for him. And uh, I'm excited to see how he bounces back from that one drop. A little bit of a quiet day from Brock Bowers, but the rest of the guys got it done. So uh, stock up on Revelation. I'm going to go. I'm going to go stock up and just continue to go stock up on Makai Muse because here's the thing about him that I think is just incredibly impressive is. I went back and I watched, you know, kind of, you know, rewatched the game and everything. And, you know, he's, he's tiny, man. Like I saw him in person the other day without shoulder pads on. And I am telling you right now, I mean, he is almost an, a little person. All right. He is not far from it. Um, but the way he comes up with stuff and the way he kind of gives this team a jolt, honestly, like I don't care. I don't care if he ends up with, you know, 1,500 all-purpose yards or, or whatever. I, none of that matters to me because I think that his value to this team on special teams from an energy standpoint, from from catching a two-yard pass and, you know, playing up under the tackle and getting six, I think as the year goes on, he's going to be a guy that has a massive impact on this team just from a intangible standpoint. Uh, and not only that, just the you I mean the humility, uh, you know, coming up and talking to us, the you know kind of soft spoken. I mean, he's got every reason to kind of have a little small man syndrome there and just you know be you know loud and boisterous and and wild. You know, maybe a little bit of the Isaiah McKenzie type you know personality. And by the way, Isaiah McKenzie's much bigger, maybe the only person he's ever played ball with that he's much bigger than. Um, but you know, man, he's, he's something else. And I think he's going to mean a lot of this football team as, as, as the season goes on. Yeah. I saw him downtown. Uh, I think it was over the summer around dinner time. And I recognized him. I said, what's up, man. He like looks surprised that anyone even recognized who he was. And I think uh, he's going to be a lot more recognizable over the, le- the uh, next several weeks. All right, Rusty, what you got? Um, I got stock up on, on the, uh, couple of Georgia players that I feel like, need to step up and it did warren brinson is a guy that i think georgia fans are happy to see a big defensive lineman make a play and uh, i'll say this name the play yesterday he got gifted one but i noticed little things about players and chas chambliss got gifted a wider of interception i mean it hit the odds of hitting a guy in the calf and then you catching it in reverse is one of those gifts from above i can assure you that but when you see the reaction, not of Chaz Chambliss putting on the shoulder pads, go back and watch the game. Watch the reaction of all the players. 
Watch Michael Williams. Watch Warren Brinson. Watch Smile Munden. Watch uh, Malachi Starks. Watch all of those guys, their reaction to Chaz Chambliss getting a big moment. And that tells you, if you've ever been in a locker room, that'll tell you all you know about that young man is they like him, they love him, they respect him, and they were truly happy that he had his moment and he got a play yesterday. So stock up to that young man and, uh, you know, his teammates for celebrating with him like that. They kept replaying it in slow-mo and it it made it look easy. But the way it bounced off that guy's foot, that was not an easy grab. It looked like it caught him, like I told you post-game. That ball kind of caught him a little bit. And, uh, Rusty, I noticed that exact same thing. And, um, listen, I ain't calling any names. Folks can – Folks can figure the name out, but uh, there was a guy who played that exact same position not too long ago, and when he did something that well, you, it was noticeable that teammates did not react quite that way whenever yeah. he, he did yeah. something nice. So, um, you know, that, yes, I, you're 100% on that. I noticed it as well. Mm-hmm. They they went bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Chris Smith, like Chris Smith would do that. He'd make yeah. a play, and everybody yeah. would be out there. Like Chris Smith couldn't celebrate fast enough because they'd be celebrating for him. And yeah. Uh, those type of players just carry a certain weight around them. And those those type of players, Chaz Chambliss and Chris Smith, have earned the respect of their teammates, and you saw that yesterday. And Kai Muse, I mean, you need the guys on these teams that aren't just the five-star world beaters because they do bring the team together and remind everybody that there are people out there that aren't from Mars uh, playing in the SEC, and, and they can lead the team too. Really quick, guys, I asked it in the comments. Is Bama done? Is Texas back? Both or neither? To be determined. Yeah, I think te- I think Texas – I tried not to overreact, but I started thinking about what's beat Georgia and what's beat Georgia three times since 2020. And we talked about it before, but it takes an alpha quarterback and it takes an alpha group of wide receivers – and you just kind of look at Texas and go, maybe they fit that box. If Georgia were to play them, do they stress you the most? Because Quinn Ewers played really good yesterday. If he didn't have some drops, that game's yep. not that close in the end. But he had some key drops, but uh, credit them. And I think I think Alabama, uh, I, I think they can win the rest of their games. Can they, win the nas- can they win the national championship? I'm not sure there. You know, I'm going to have to see – they're going to have to be able to dial up some stuff for Milrow because, um, you know, I, I picked Texas. And the reason I picked Texas on the radio the other day was because I, I didn't trust him. I, I hadn't seen enough out of him yet. And, you know, he, he can do those against Middle Tennessee State. And I think he can do it up to a lot of teams in SEC. But to really, really good defense, I'm going to have to see him be able to make those tight window throws, go through progressions and not decisions like he made last night. It's early, but I'm telling you, Alabama has a chance to be all the way back to the to the end. Don't don't count them out just yet. Yeah, don't. The three things off. that the two things that well, three things that worry me is line of scrimmage play on offense, line of scrimmage play on defense, and we're still dealing with 90 yards worth of penalties. And yeah. I'm kind of blown away at those three things because let me tell you something, man. Nick Saban 2008, Nick Saban 2009, I don't know if he lives through it. Like, I don't know if his heart can handle it. I don't think his players um, do. Yeah, I mean, that was that was one of those deals that you just never, ever, ever um, deal with that. You know, I mean, that you never saw them, you know, do that to themselves 
uh, in games, and you never saw them play poorly on the lines of scrimmage. And, you know, I talked with Andy Staples about it. We got an interview coming with him tomorrow night on Bark After Dark. Nice. Um, that that's that won't be live. Um, it, it you know we're doing a tape bark after dark for tomorrow night. But um, one of the things he talked about, I asked him. I said, hey, "Man, what do you what about these lines of scrimmage?" You know, and Andy was a walk on lineman back at Florida in the day, and he said the problem with the lines of scrimmage is a lot of the kids that they used to get and stack talent with are going to Georgia. You know, the the competitions they used to have for playing time there that it was you know so thick. It's just not there anymore. And uh, that was an interesting point to me. And I just when I when I you know, try not to think about because I try not to think that, you know, the the program you're at is just where it all happens. But at the end of the day, he had a point. Sometimes it is. Y'all hit like and subscribe on the Georgia show right here. Dogs HQ on YouTube. You won't want to miss Bark After Dark with Staples. That's going to be great stuff. Always is. And uh, we're back right here Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Dogs HQ premium membership is still one dollar for one month is that still living is, is that thing oh yeah does it still have a pulse no man as far as I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure rusty based on what we were told the other day that's here to stay join the club man one dollar for one month just come try it out hell one dollar yeah i think yeah, we come try it out tonight. send me a dm i'll demo you a dollar yeah used to used to have to they used to be four blow pops now it's just one <laughs> just skip one blow pop for your kid this week and, and find out if you like a month Y'all sign up for that. Don't miss it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for keeping the comments hopping. A lot of new names and faces in there each week. Thank you guys. Love to Thank see you. it. Uh, keeps things interesting for sure. We'll see you back here tomorrow night. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.